0: Chefs are creative people, you know, someone designed your menu is part of your day-to-day life. You need all of these structures so that we can have the beances of the world.
1: You're listening to the Not Yet Podcast, a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality. I'm your host, Paige Polk, an Emmy award-winning experience director, helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community. You're in the right place if you have the courage to believe in a world you haven't yet seen. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Not Yet Podcast. It is a joy to connect with you about the overlap of creativity and spirituality in this community healing project. And it's so fitting that I'm talking with Isabel Sachs today on the podcast about creative work and how we can apply more value and think creatively about the frameworks that help us dream about the world we're going to live in. Because Not Yet is officially on Patreon. I transitioned the Community Healing Project to this platform because it helps to support the work that we're doing. I have big dreams for Not Yet, our book club, our future in-person events, our community meetups, even creativity festivals, and having a sustainable method of supporting this work financially is one huge way that you can help. So if you enjoy listening to these podcasts, if you're enjoying the bi-weekly notes in your email where I share my approach and learnings in the world of intentional living, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon. The lowest number that you can support us with is $5 a month. That's less than, you know, your morning coffee, and it would go a long way to helping us sustain this work here at Not Yet. Ah, thank you so much. You can support us at www.notyetseries.com to learn about the Patreon and how you can become a sustainer. Let's hop into this episode with Isabel Sachs. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast. I'm so glad you're here and we are thriving in this summer season. And I'm here with a new friend named Isabel Sachs. Hi, Isabel. Hi, Paige. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. I'm going to give the black and white version um, the bio that you have. Isabel Sachs. Is the founder of I Like Networking. With over 18 years of experience in the creative industries, she worked on a variety of organizations and service clients such as Converse, Red Bull, and Lollapalooza. She was listed as one of the top 21 most influential women by Startups Magazine, winner of the 2021 D&AD Awards, and is a 2022 DOTS 100 Rising Star. Yeah
0: sounds so impressive.
1: I mean, you are very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I love starting off the episodes with, um, you know, the the bios that people have that are either on their websites or uh, that people say before they start speaking um, engagements, because it's nice to have a little bit of a framework of what people are contributing to the world as far as their work is concerned. But there are always Feels like there's more. Like there's there's a reason why they do these things, and I'm sure that for for you, there is definitely a reason why you do so much work around connecting and connection. So, what's missing from your bio, isabel
0: Um, that's a great question. Well, I like the company's called I like networking, but I would say that my one of my favorite things to do is probably talking. I think I love talking and just like networking. So I just like people and things so i have many interests and i always found it very difficult to be just part of one group or just one thing um i i was so uh jealous of people that had like one group of best friends do you remember that film you probably don't remember This the film that it's like called now and then i think it's called now and then Mm -mm. with um it's very old school you were probably not born I think it's from early 90s and it's anyway it's like four friends and they are like doing this thing and they're always on their bike and bring everything together and I could never do that I always had like 10,000 friends in different groups and so one day I was doing one thing the other day the next and when I was growing up I found that really difficult and my family is really spread out as I was telling you Paige so they're not just from one country and so I felt like my upbringing was even though I grew up in Brazil it was very much a kind of multitude instead of one thing like a cohesive personality and now I think that's a good thing you know because it allowed me to connect with a lot of different people and I actually do believe that in general uh, you can almost always surround yourself with the people you want to in a way that they're going to push you and support you and inspire you, especially in the creative community. So I think that's that. And I have an uncle who was my main inspiration in my life, I think, professionally speaking. He worked in politics and sustainable development, slightly different, but he's very much a, he was an idealist. (laughs) He always wanted to change the world. He always thought things can always get better, And I think, you know, he chose to use his time to try to create impact, a positive impact in the world. Um, And in a way, I try a little to do a little bit like he did. Obviously, he did that in a much larger scale than I did, but I think that's a good way to use your time in general.
1: Just trying to make the world a little bit better. Yeah, (laughs) you might as well, right? Like you're here that's a good point you're here so you might as well do something <laughs> well um if the if the business wasn't called I like networking I also love uh Isabel loves talking
0: yeah that would be great <laughs> I really do love talking
1: I wanted to talk with you uh about well I guess technically it's about networking but you do so much like you give so much focus attention to the logistics and frameworks around connection. Like what has to happen for people to feel genuinely seen in a space when they are physically in front of one another and uh, very much a facilitator, very much like a creator of space. And we are full on into what I call retro mode, when it comes to the impacts of COVID-19. I think we'll be unpacking the social implications of these past few years for decades, maybe even for centuries, who knows. And one of the biggest opportunities that I feel that we have is now that we are back in spaces, sharing them together, What does it look like for us to be together with intention? If you can even remember, I mean, I say you, I mean, proverbial you. I'm trying to remember what it was like to be in physical space with people before 2020, whether it was going into the work, work office or meeting a friend for coffee or even going to the museum for fun, going to school every single day, whether you're a student in college or in primary school, the energy felt very different different. Yeah. We're operating in a completely different paradigm now. So you, the expert <laughs> <laughs> connector, um I want to chat with you about what it's like. What are the opportunities that we have in this new chapter of connection?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I think we're still actually seeing things change from COVID. I think a lot of things have been are being tested sort of in those spaces, but I would say, obviously, we all took it for granted how nice it was to have spaces to connect. And I think, of course, there's like school and work and perhaps the commute that you take. But there are all these other spaces, which I think are potentially even more important for human connection is, you know, the running club you go after work or you know, your book club that you set up or the gig you're going with your friends or when someone just calls you to have a quick drink somewhere or a coffee. Um, So all these spaces where you end up, you know, meeting people and talking to strangers. And even if it's just casual conversations, you know, like you just never know. I think in any case, the best thing to do whenever you go into space with other people is to be generally curious about them uh it's the idea that we are all people there's a lot of talk about networking it is really corporate lingo it's not something i like personally because i you know i'm from brazil the word networking doesn't even exist in portuguese which i think it's telling of the type of culture we have uh networking we if we talk about it we talk it in the english word uh So it's definitely a borrowed term from some type of corporate thing. Um, But I think connection and community is universal. Those words exist everywhere. And there are tons of ways where we can connect with people. But at the end of the day, businesses are made of people. Ideas are made of people. Everything that's good, you know, it comes from a bunch of people sharing knowledge, interest, and learning from one another. Um, and I, I know that not every, we all get our social batteries drained and all of that, but it's really important that we are putting ourselves out there to talk to people that are different from us. Usually when we're stuck, encountering people that are very, very different from us are, are, is the one thing that will get us unstuck. When someone thinks in a very different way or have a totally different take or have a completely different life experience, something you had never imagine you create something in your brain you're like huh so either you learn something or it's going to give you an insight and also I think when we we're not exposed to people in real life different people that we're not always curating who they are we're missing out on a lot of stories and we're missing out on empathy I think we're going to this a world where we are lost track that the universality of like human experience that everyone goes through heartbreak and everyone goes through grief, everyone feels cold, <laughs> you know, like all these things that makes us who we are. There are like basic things, um, and I love online platforms for connection. I think they created a lot of benefits. You, it's very democratic. You can reach people in any place. We are having this conversation right now. You're in one place. I'm in a completely different one. As I mentioned, my family lives all over the world. It's really great to have technology. You can curate, you know, your own feed or your own network of people that really inspire you and they can be, you know, in India and you can be in Japan. But I think we also, the flip side of that is that we can over-curate our whole life and never... Get out of these bubbles, and I think that then we're really missing out on the full spectrum, you know, of of human experience. Really, of what it means to connect with others. And we see this. We see that there's all this technology now, and loneliness is one of the worst things that we're dealing with, and depression, mental health issues. And I think they're not. You know, it's easy to think like, oh, we're gonna curate all these conversations around me, and I don't need leave my house and be exposed to the random (laughs) encounters whereas I think you you really should in some level or other but yeah
1: that phrase that you just said we can over curate our lives feels like it has so much legs for me because and in this time period when uh, many of us were in our homes like save essential workers which is a completely different kind of experience, a completely different kind of um, sort of embracing the world around you head on. We were curating our lives. It was our intimate family. The people that we saw every single day were the people that we lived with. There are people in our bubble. Um, we saw a surge of online platform use when it comes to Zoom. Zoom was not the thing that it is now in 2019. It was a thing that maybe uh, some educational platforms would use it or occasionally consulting firms would use it to speak across time zones, but it wasn't a universal platform that people use for casual conversations or for sharing videos of their Thanksgiving dinners with their family across the world the way that it is now. And there is so much richness and getting back to roots and getting back to essentials like oh who are these fundamental people who are the fundamental values what are the fundamental ideas that i want to surround myself with and also i think something so beautiful about what you're doing is saying okay so you can have those fundamental values you can have these core ideas that or ideals that you want to drive your life and also there's so much nuance and there's so much diversity and there's so much experience in this world. So how can you bring your core identity and experience into this greater pinball machine of activity uh, and connection?
0: So thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. I think you you put that in a much better way than I did, but that sounds great. (laughs) I'll give you that. Thank you.
1: Well, uh, tell me um, a little bit more about I Like Networking. How does it work? How did it come to life? What's exciting you about it right now?
0: Yeah, it's really funny. Um, So I used to have a company in Brazil. It was a production agency. I worked with musicians and some directors and we worked. I worked mainly across music and theater. So very much live experiences. Um, When I first started in the creative industries, I started sort of in film. And I started getting really frustrated because it took forever for you to see the result of your labor and you didn't really see it. Like maybe you go to one screening, but you you don't see people's reactions. And when I started working in music and theater, I was like, oh my God, this is great. The turnaround is faster, but also you get to see people like it or not right away. So there was like immediate feedback, you know, there was like electricity about like, oh, we're all here doing the same thing. Like, you know, the roadie and the sound tech guy and the audience and the whatever the usher, we're all here for one shared vision. And I thought that was always really cool. Um, now, Ally Networking was not a planned thing. Uh, during 2020, I was working with an agency that was working with Tomorrowland Festival, which is a big music festival, obviously very quickly we understood that fastball wasn't going to go through they tried to keep the freelance staff for a while but really fast that became a non-option like so many people got fired furloughed and it was just I mean I remember that time in 2020 was terrifying like I there's a a website you can log in here for free and uh, it's called the arts council and there's like it's from the arts council which is this or like this organization sort of service in the UK and they fund the arts and stuff. And they have this website called Arts Jobs. And I remember you can receive, ask to receive a list of jobs by on your email every week. And there was one time <laughs> that one Sunday that literally there were no jobs in the list, zero. And that's when I panicked. I was like, oh my God, we are all gonna starve. Like this is... Like I was, everyone, it was, it was just terrifying. Obviously that was not the only thing terrifying, but I could feel that the industry was dismantling itself, you know, and people were really struggling because an industry is made of people. Right. And I just got really, you know, it was a very bad time in my life. There were a lot of other things happening of, you know, uh, personally speaking, a lot of Personal impact because of COVID, of people getting sick and passing away, and I was locked in my apartment with my then uh, partner, and we. I just at one point I got really depressed, and then I was talking to some people, and everyone was complaining, and everyone was like freaking out, and one at one point I just got really bored, of feeling sorry for myself. Honestly, that's what happened. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like all these people around me are trying to support me. You know, they're giving me like this or this. You can do this gig here and this gig here. And maybe you should talk to that person. And then one person told me, I literally pay someone to network for me. Nothing happens if you don't know the correct people in this industry. And this is so horrible. It's so difficult to get in. And I realized that, you know, maybe I I do like, I love talking to people. I know all these people I I like connecting people with one another. I've done this all my life. And when I was growing up, one of my favorite books was Emma, which tries from Jane Austen. She tries to hook everyone up. It always goes wrong. I did a lot of that growing up as well. Like, oh, you can be my friend. I was a bad matchmaker, but I tried. (laughs) I had good intentions, I think. Um, And anyway, then I was like, oh, maybe I should just do something. So I did a bit of research. I spoke to some people. Of like, what if we do like a mentoring program that's short, so we don't demand too much time from people? And one promise that they have to make is that once they select their mentee, they're going to vouch for them. So that means that they're going to introduce them to people that they know. So we can try to break some of those barriers that exist for a lot of people that are not usually represented or don't get to go through the creative industries as easily as some other people because of, you know, their socioeconomic background or the color of the skin or how they show up in the world, you know, so all of those things. um, And so that's how it started. So I was like, I'm just going to write this down. It's going to call. I like networking because I didn't know how I was to find it. I thought in three months COVID will be over. No one's going to need this. It's going to be fine. The jobs will be back to normal. I'm going to have No time to do anything nice for anyone. So might as well. And I was, you know, I'm very grateful for every single person around me that supported me and then came through as mentors. And it was me just asking a bunch of friends, essentially, who then asked their friends and their brothers. And then the word got around. I have a friend who is, you know, works in fashion and beauty, has done this for a long time. She was like, he should have an Instagram for it. I was like, no, I don't know how to do it. It's like, I'll help you do it. And so there was like a lot of heads on deck. Um, and the applications just kept coming. And I I didn't know the extent of you know the the demand that is that exists for support in the creative industries for you know most people, right? And I was just honestly quite shocked because I've worked in the industry for so long, but most of my life I've been supporting artists and of course, love artists amazing, but I had never really thought that much about the rest of the infrastructure, you know, even though we work with them, I was like, Oh yeah, my mission is to make the artist's career. Right. And so it's quite, it's sort of a slightly different frame from when you're thinking about every other layer and thinking about how people recruit people and, all those things that I had never had to think too much about. I had complained a lot about it, but I didn't (laughs) go through the research much about like, why is this the way it is? You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Social capital theory, whatever, like low wages is the way it is. You know, like, I don't know. And I really threw myself into all of that. And basically our networking started because I saw the demand and I said, well, might as well keep doing this and every year I was like this is gonna be the last one I'm not gonna keep doing this this is crazy how is this gonna pan out to be anything this doesn't make sense like what is the business model of this piece <laughs> that I created like what is this gonna do Taking over my life I need to like pay my own bills like how do I do this and it was just every year I was like no I'm not gonna do this again this is insane and then the the mentoring starts, and I'm like, okay, we need to keep doing this. It's good, you <laughs> know. I can see the results, so let's keep at it. Um, so it's been kind of a journey. Um, so as as you know, we do a big mentoring program. Uh, we try to do it once a year. We've mentored over 700 people since 2020, and we also work with companies. They have if they want to recruit people that are part of our amazing beautiful diverse community uh they can pay to be to do a job ad we also do a lot of networking events workshops panels we always if anyone asks us to program a festival or a stage we always make sure that it's representative there are tons of different stories and backgrounds there so we try to put our money where the mouth money mouth or the money is or something like that mm-hmm. some some of that time but so, yes, yeah, so we work with the industry and the talent, basically, in different ways. But the mentoring is and has been to the state entirely free for everyone. And the mentors offer their times and volunteers. So I'm very grateful. I think the one thing about Alan Networking is that it's, it sticks to its core. Like it is a group effort. It's a lot of people involved. And in that way, it reminds me of my background in live industry, where it's a group of people working for something in common and that in itself to be gave me a bit of hope like there are all these people here who are going through their own personal hells but they're all like giving some time away to try to support other people because they also think we need to change the industry or we need to improve it so you know it's tricky but we're doing it three years on so
1: (laughs) it's happening it's happening
0: you mentioned that uh
1: uh, for a, a while you framed your career around supporting artists and yeah and you had thought abstractly about oh there's some things about the industry about the creative industry the whole infrastructure that do need to change uh and I like networking has been sort of an unintentional intervention <laughs> in <Yes>. the creative <laughs> industry uh so let's talk a little bit about just like logistically what. Are opportunities that exist in the creative industry that are not musician that are not painter that are not you know sort of these traditionally creative ideas roles
0: yeah I mean everything like I, I personally have none of those talents you just mentioned like I couldn't do those things even if I try when I try to sing in my car I'm already forbidden by most people including my own car (laughs) you know even even my car can complain about it um uh, that said um i the creative industries is huge like in the uk it's the fifth largest industry and it's pretty big obviously in the u.s i think it's one of your main exports. (laughs) (laughs) it's the creative industry so it's ours so it's in here but there is a Yeah, there's a big issue, I think, with the way people see the creative industries in general society at large. And that's my main pet peeve, but we'll get to it. In terms of job opportunities, there's everything, right? Like you can do marketing, you can be a creator. I mean, look at the amount of people that are just creating content. These people are part of the creative economy, right? Like people on TikTok, the people who work on TikTok, the people who work on Instagram for better or worse are part of the creative industry now so and it's changing really fast I mean the creatives have always been sort of the forefront of technology when you think about you know they developed film and then we became there were filmmakers and people testing out the limits to that and then there's been 3D you know people doing like films in 3D and art and like AI generated things and the NFT trend and then all the developments in like paint and how do you paint things and the fabrics that you use and all of those things, artists have always been at the forefront of that, but also everyone else around them, because that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't matter like that you're Taylor Swift or Beyonce, you still need the ushers. You need the people who are going to build your set. You need the set designers. You need the roadies. The roadies in music are like the most important, I think, element. You need the stage manager, you need literally everyone involved and the audience. You know, you can be the best freaking artist in the world. And if no one's there to see it, if you're um if your masterpiece is hanging in a basement, there's not nothing else gonna happen around it, right? Like you need an audience. So there are like music teachers and professors and all of that, it creates an infrastructure because the thing is that. You know, like if you like Ed Sheeran puts out, I don't know, puts out, I don't know how many like top one music, right? Or whoever, like all these people that you see, you don't notice that they've been working at it for years. They were playing these independent venues. And so the barman who was there and then the people who were selling the tickets and the friends creating the first posters and the designer for people to come see all of that is the industry it's huge it brings people in all these different levels and if you don't have enough infrastructure to support that nothing is gonna come of it because you need all of those people in the fringes building their craft and learning and evolving things so that then you get all this other stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis and consume and to me one thing that I always tell people if they're not from the creative industries, is like, think about one of the biggest innovations in the past 10 years. Your life has changed because someone has created something called an iPhone. Now, the iPhone could have been the best, a mess software, best technological invention in the world. But if they had given you a tool that was impossible to use, ugly and difficult to carry, it wouldn't have caught on. But then we have someone called Sir Johnny Ive, who's a designer, and he's the one, including I think Steve Jobs spoke a lot about this. That was is essential in creating the the iPhone as we know, and I, the iPhone changed the way we work as a society, right? So there's a there's a lack of understanding, I think, about the impact of the creative industries and how it actually changes all that we know about the world and about our experience because they yeah there's a lack of value for all these other smaller operations that are happening sort of in the outskirts of the mainstream that are essential for it to exist right so yeah there are tons of opportunities and I think with technology evolving it's gonna keep getting more and more more things are going to come to the forefront like when i started in the music industry we didn't have spotify we were recording live dvds and cds um and then spotify came so now if you're going to work in the music industry you're someone who also understands about data like you can't just work in the music industry and not know about this so it keeps evolving and it evolves really fast and it changes how we live right as as a society and interact and so i think it's beyond the whole element and spiel that I personally believe that the arts and culture are what makes it almost worth it for us to be alive, but it is what shares, it creates connections and all of that. But without all of that, just being very pragmatic, I think there are all these elements to consider. And so there are tons of opportunities. And so we just need to make it a better system for everyone and to be a bit more fair uh, or at least easier to navigate and to get your foot in the door because right now the barriers are still sort of insane and yeah but a lot of a lot of shifts have to come from the way society operates but also policy-wise so that we can have thriving industries that don't prey on people the way they currently do
1: you know I like the idea of the creative industry encompassing all things that help us reimagine how we live our lives. like how we logistically, build and live and engage with the world around us. It's not just as, Oh, this is a, this is beautiful. And it's, it sparks an emotion and it makes me feel alive. Like, yes, that's valuable in an ephemeral abstract way. And also you said the word pragmatic, like very pragmatically creative people, people in the creative industry are helping us create pathways For us to see the world in a new way, create new ways of being, new ways of existing in our bodies, new ways of connecting across industries like that is creative work.
0: Yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. And like we. Yeah, like, I mean, when we talk about representation, right, and I think that's obviously still a hot topic, I think we lost we've lost some steam with the whole conversation around diversity inclusion and equity and um, not everywhere, but it's definitely a lot of companies say a lot of things and don't do anything. Um, But when you think about it, of course, it's really the creative industry is where this happens. You know, if you don't have a bunch of diverse people setting the agenda for the newspaper, the newspaper is going to continue to privilege one type of news over another or one vision of the news over another and that's what we're going to get fed on like the clothes we wear you know like who makes clothes for whom like what type of bodies right like how do we all those things that literally like most people don't leave their houses naked so you know (laughs) you need some clothes the clothes you buy and wear are a choice you make and they are created by a bunch of people including the creative the creatives you know and producers and the people who cut the fabric or whatever and then there's all the other conversation about the fashion industry but putting that aside for now you, you know like and then how you see yourself like the stories people tell like who gets to play what you know like who gets to be seen in what position in the world and especially for kids I think this is really important because it's it is really hard to be something you can see if you don't know it exists how are you going to strive for it so I think in that way it's very it's bigger than everything else but you know in a very pragmatic way like what do you when people are like oh so what's the value of the creative industry like okay so you stopped you went to work what did you do did you read a book did you listen to some music did you get a podcast did you come home what did you do did you go buy some food? Did you go to a restaurant? Because people in restaurants, like the chefs are creative people. You know, someone designed your menu and there's all these things that are happening on your day-to-day life. Like, what are you doing? Like Someone designed gig? the
1: label on the bag of chips that you're eating.
0: Yeah. So you need to, you know, understand that it actually is part of your day-to-day life. It's not this thing like, oh, you go to the Louvre or you like go see the orchestra, like those are just examples, you know, of it. It's not the everyday thing, but you need all of the structure so that we can have the nuances of the world and you know the whatever taste aside. I I whatever the person you love the most in any you know sub sector, whatever that may be.
1: No, um, I I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, we are experiencing a shift. And our definition of creativity that it's not just like art doesn't exist just for art's sake. Like, yes, it can exist just to say, Oh, we have experienced something beautiful. Yeah. That, That is wonderful. And also beauty has a function even in nature. Like there's a reason flowers are a certain color or that Birds can detect like certain scents and different seasons of the year, or that, uh, or that leaves change color. Like there are fundamental pragmatic reasons why all of these beautiful things happen in nature, and it happens that
0: way in our lives too. Yeah. No. uh, Totally. And that at the type of creative engagement you want to think of. It doesn't matter in this case. This is exactly it. I think it's an universal um, experience for us and it's what makes us connect if we're talking about connection with the world around us, you know? And those things all provide spaces of connection, not just with others, but with ourselves. I think there's been this thing. This is something I've learned in my personal life. I started as, you know, a runner. Then I tried to be a set designer. I was like, oh, I'm really bad at this. Ended up being a producer because I was like much better at organizing things. I can see clearly in spreadsheet form. And for a long time, I thought, well, because I'm the producer, I'm not creative. Whereas that's not really it. There's creativity and innovation in everything. And if you're surrounded by it, it is a lot nicer. Honestly, it's a nice environment to be in because you feel inspired. You feel challenged. You see beautiful things. Um you change your mind about certain things, you get exposed to expose things you wouldn't otherwise. And you know, the, all the people creating content on social, like I know that a lot I, I don't personally uh use TikTok because I'm easily addicted by social media. So I try to refrain from adding anything else more in my life. But that said, I don't whenever people complain about it, I was like, I wanna see you try to edit a video. Like cause editing is so hard like dancing, anything you should do. It's difficult. Like it takes practice, it takes effort and craft. And yeah, I think we, we need more people to try to be creative for the sake of it. So maybe they'll give it value. So I kind of think it's good that we've had all these tools that the more, that make being a creator in whatever format, a podcast, a self-published book, whatever it is, a bit more a bit more democratic perhaps for people because that's good. More people can throw their hat in and test it out even if it's not their main gig, you know? Because this is the thing, being a creative and living off your creativity are also different things, you know? Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, that was the first time I think she stopped actually working in a cafe. She had written tons of books before, like, but she was considering herself a writer, you know? Um so I think that's that's something that's a lesson that I've learned to value creativity in all its forms and shapes and sizes let's say and I think that's something we would all benefit from
1: Well you mentioned before um we're having a shift in our perspective what it means to see and value creative work and we are having some movements like the SAG writer strike, for example, that are encouraging industries on a large scale to value um, creative work in a different way. Um, what other ways are you seeing in an industry wide perspective that are feeding into that shift?
0: Yeah. i actually think we're not seeing enough. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think a lot of, it, it, here. the thing is, I am someone who cares deeply about um, policy in general. Uh, I think it's really important that we have policy going hand in hand with the development uh, of the world. And we've seen in the past few years in many big important economies and nations, kind of this shift to value only one type of work, or one type of behavior at work. And even now there's been all this talk like, oh no, people all need to be in the office. This is what needs to happen and blah, blah, blah. Like trying to push back to some random ideal that they think is what makes productivity for the sake of productivity good and all these things. And kids should all be studying STEM and blah, blah, blah. And I think this is something we need to push for because there is this thing that people think a creative labor is free and that that's where we get stuck i think i'm not totally into what's happening with the union with the writers uh in terms of how they're negotiating for ip and all of that but i think we do need better protection for people working in the creative industries and one very simple way to do this is to have better protection for a freelance workforce because the creatives tend to be freelance and definitely better support for that to be a pathway when you're talking about schools and education you know it's if we don't invest in those places if we don't invest in small independent venues uh, we're gonna miss out on a lot of people, a lot of talent and a lot of connection moments, which again, it's something that we all need independently of our how much we want to be creative or engage with it or not. Like we know we need that as humans. So I would like to see more policy. I would like to see more people pushing for it and definitely a, a more, let's say holistic, approach to the whole thing it's very difficult there's a lot of barriers i know to creating good policies but we need to at least try it. Mm-hmm. you know it's best to try and push for things and they don't totally work and then you correct a little bit then to just like go. which i think a lot of governments are doing and yeah it's but in very easy steps we should just make Unpaid internships are illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would already solve a lot of the problems in the creative industries. You know, like a, a two week placement, you can work with your friends in their film, like in their student film thing. But if you're a big company and you rely on unpaid interns, and most a lot of big agencies do that, I'm looking at you guys, you should not exist as a business. It's what I want to say that's not okay. Like, if you, if only people that don't need the money can afford to work in the creative industries, we're only going to get stuck with the same things and the same people. And we all know that that's not what we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so
1: and I think seen, that would be a good, yeah. I, I agree, I agree. Uh, and I think, uh, to speak to your point from earlier that we are seeing this democratization of creativity because we have more access through platforms. And so a lot of creators are doing their own thing. Like they're building their own networks. They're building their own communities. And a lot of these large companies are having to make adjustments. So uh, yes, in a policy scale and also on a micro scale.
0: um, Yeah, and we definitely need policy just because even with the creator economy, There's no such thing as a creator, a middle-class creator economy. There's like 1% of people that receive over 50K a year Mm -hmm. from their work and the rest receives, I think, less than a 1,000 a year or something like that. It's crazy sad. But that's okay because I think a lot of people are experimenting and using it to try different things. And I think that's great. It can become, I think social media can be such a good tool for connecting and finding your people if you're in a remote place. And there's no one else that looks like you or that has the same interest, and you can join a community online that has the same interests as you and you feel seen, as you were saying at the beginning. I think that's brilliant. I think that's like an amazing thing. You can collaborate with people online in so many ways. But obviously that can be the, the only way and we need to try to keep people from abusing <laughs> uh, the creative industries and the creative workforce especially the creative workforce that's not the one percent, uh, which tends to be the ones that struggle the most. So yeah we need to put we need to keep fighting that fight, I I think.
1: Well, thank you for building a framework for these conversations to keep happening. Uh, thank you for being so very vocal and clear <laughs> about what you want the world to look and feel like that is creative
0: work. Thank you. I feel like one day someone's going to come at me for what I say. But
1: no. Well, I do have a question for you. Yes. Uh, what is one practice that is helping you discover who you are?
0: Oh my God. Can I say two? Of course. So last year, last year was the worst year of my life by far it was insane. Uh, if, even though I Networking was doing really well and we got this Amazing contract. We were doing this huge mentoring scheme. So I think outsiders looking in would say, Oh my God, you're doing so well. You're doing the most and blah, blah, blah. And you get these awards and these accolades. That's all great. But I was going through a lot of turmoil personally and it was really, really tough. And I needed a lot of support. I needed my network around me a lot more than I ever needed. And one thing that I started doing was I started writing a lot. I did some creative writing courses just for the sake of it. And that has been, I've always been an avid reader. I'm a massive nerd. Uh, And I'll I'll read literally like almost everything. (laughs) Like I love fiction, but then I'll read like Tina Fey's biography, you know, like book. And then I'll read some like whatever sci-fi Japanese sci-fi short story like I I don't discriminate much um but so I think the writing has been amazing it's been a great practice to do something just for the sake of it just to play with words just to experiment just to have like these briefs that no one will get to see but it's just for you and that has been incredible and then a second thing it's not 100% creative but it's uh I I I I started running a few years ago and I got really into it. And last year I started climbing and it's been really great. <laughs> it's making me push for things that I always said that I would never do because I love the mountains, but I have really bad asthma and I have all these like health issues. And I was always like, I can't handle altitude. I can't go camping. I can't, all these things that you say, like, I can't, I can't. And maybe I just say I can't because I never thought I'd be allowed to do it or that I could actually, you know, surpass those limits. And so they they are both sort of going hand in hand. One was like more body limits and like what you're allowed to do or not with yourself and which spaces you should be in. And then with the writing of just like sort of claiming my creative self to myself back and the joy of the creative act which I think is really empowering so those two combined have been great.
1: I love a nice mind body meld. Yeah. Yeah, it's very on very on brand for you. <laughs> I uh I also really want to start rock climbing. There's a rock climbing gym really close to my house and I drive by it on my way home. And last week I walked in for the first time and I was oh like tell me about this gym
0: and Everyone was actually incredibly... So nice. Nice! It's sort of like a cult. It's like culty, you know? Um, but The running community is a bit culty and I think climbing is very similar in a way that's very welcoming. It's always like something is wrong. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... I, <laughs> You should go 100%. And honestly, and Paige, I'm going to say this and it's true for anyone who is thinking like, oh, they can't see me, so... They don't know what I look like. So I'll describe. I'm five, almost one. I was born with like really severe asthma and I'm allergic to everything. I have this thing where I develop allergies as long as I live. So I'm basically like a bomb, like an atomic bomb ready to explode at any point. And when I was younger, I couldn't do anything sport-wise. I am so uncoordinated. I hurt myself walking. You know, this is how clumsy I am. And then when I was 13, I managed to join the Brazil junior fencing team because they didn't have enough people. And they were like, Do you want to join? And so they gave me a shot. And I went to the Brazilian Championships and I was last. So from all of Brazil, the worst <laughs> fencing player, it's me. Uh, so if I can do something, literally you can. Okay, because this not. I'm I'm forever gonna be an Olympic hopeful because just the hope is there. The Olympics, not so much, but so if anyone out there is thinking I can do that, you can. You probably can. You know? Heard here from the worst Spencer <laughs> in all of Brazil. You can it's, do it. You can do it. It's my claim to fame, sort <laughs> of reverse. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Isabel. I'm I I I will do it. I will go and yes. I will climb this rock. <laughs>
0: I love that. Amazing. Can you
1: share with folks um, where they can find you, where they can find iLike Networking and interact with what you're building?
0: Yes, please. So our website is uk. Very easy. If you go there, there will be information on all our programs. And we also have, honestly, a library of free resources So you can hear uh, interviews with a lot of our mentors and also people beyond our mentoring group that share their stories and how you can connect them. So they're all really open. You can just reach out to them as well. There are no such thing as people being off limits, not in the world that I believe in. Um, We have lots of guides. So how to break into the creative industries, have discounts, we have free access to a lot of tools. So. Tons of really good stuff and like lists of communities you can find in so many different ways in almost all sectors of the creative industries. And that's all free to download. So it's all on the website. Uh, If you want to go and hear about our mentoring scheme, you can follow our newsletter and our Instagram is at Ally Networking. We do a roundup of creative opportunities every week. Uh, And then every month we send a big newsletter with another big, big list of creative opportunities. And halfway through the month, we do a big um, roundup of jobs available uh, right now only in the UK, but hopefully we can extend that. But the creative opportunities are all over the world um, for all sectors. And then I'm, you were also on LinkedIn, and I'm also on LinkedIn as Isabel Sachs. And more than happy to hear from people I vent a a lot about these issues that we spoke there. Uh, So please come and say hi and have a chat. More than happy to try to support as many people as we can. So yeah, that's where you can engage. Thanks for
1: listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet project and community.